March 12th, 2020. Commissioner Rob Manfred today announced that MLB has decided to suspend spring training games. This is an unprecedented day. You may not see baseball until May. Everybody's trying to get this game back. We're looking at the broader issue. Ready for whatever. I talked to a lot of guys across the league, and they're all thinking the same thing. Is this, is this going to work? There is no roadmap to navigate this. I love baseball, but I got to do what's right for my family sometimes. And baseball agreed to have a season. Safest and most cautious way to get through a season. There are enormous concerns that they're going to be able to pull off the health and safety protocol. There's a lot of questions. I just want to play baseball, so if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. It's going to be fun. You got 60 games. You got to try to win all. Welcome to the baseball show. I'm happy to be back. Presented by the Goose Island Beer Company. This is the baseball show with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the new ESPN Chicago app. This is the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show. That's ESPN MLB Show. This show, totally interactive. If you are a Chicago baseball fan, Cubs, White Sox, or just a fan of Major League Baseball, this is the show for you every single day right after Waddle and Sylvie right here on ESPN 1000. Thanks so much for being with us. Hope that you had a great weekend. As I give you now my first pitch. And my first pitch is Sox management. Um, Sox management isn't saying any more about why Michael Kopech opted out for the 2020 season, other than what general manager Rick Hahn said in a statement on Friday. So we come to find out that Michael Kopech will not be uh, playing for the White Sox for 2020. And so Don Cooper, not longtime pitching coach for the White Sox, an amateur psychologist said, that I don't know what is going on with Michael, but I know he deals with some anxiety and depression. My thought is, I sure hope that he's okay. This is a quote from Saturday from Don Cooper uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times. And I hope that he gets to where he needs to be, where he's feeling good and wants to come back because we will welcome him back with open arms. So when I read that in the Sun-Times over the weekend from Don Cooper, longtime pitching coach and amateur psychologist that the key quote is, I don't know what is going on with Michael, but I know he deals with some anxiety and depression. And my thought is, I sure hope that he's okay. Now from the sun times piece, knowing Kopech who's 24 has openly discussed his anxiety and depression issues makes Cooper a little bit uneasy on an, an a really encouraging note. Kopech talked about being on the right side of those issues in the winter and the early spring. Cooper continues and says, last time I saw him in spring training, he was in a great place. But let me put it this way. I hope the kid is okay. I'm concerned that he's not okay. So reading that, I went to theathletic.com and looked for James Fegan, who writes for the White Sox on theathletic.com. And he says earlier today that multiple sources indicate that both Copex camp and the White Sox organization said not to associate Kopech's mental health with his decision to sit out the season. Going forward, the White Sox will seek to avoid speculation on Kopech's decision as an organization, and multiple sources indicate that Cooper's comments were addressed internally. So my question for uh, Dr. Cooper is, why would you put his personal issues out there? in the Chicago Sun-Times and for everyone else to hear and read? 
why would you put the issues of Kopech out there about his anxiety and depression? It's something he's talked about, but I don't believe that is a talking point for Don Cooper as far as Kopech not being with the team or being with the team. Is he planting a seed, Don Cooper? Is he planting a seed with Sox fans that Kopech is uh, <clears throat> not mentally strong enough or tough enough to pitch in 2020 in a pandemic? I mean, what's the point of that? Listen, if you came to me and said, hey, you know, I'm going to take some time for myself. The pandemic has got me down or I just need a break or I'm going through something with my family or something personal and I'm going to sit out this season. You know what? I wouldn't talk to anyone else about it because if we're on the same team, the thing that I know is, is that I can't reveal what is going on with you because you talk to me privately about it unless you wanted me to. Who is Don Cooper to talk about someone's personal problems on the record like that? What's, what's the point? Because what does one thing have to do with the other? I just think that it was great for Kopech to open up and talk about these issues because, you know, we as men don't talk about mental uh, health issues very often. But Kopech wanted to talk about it and talked about how he's on the other side of that and feeling good. But, you see, Kopech is, a, like I think, a lot of players – not just in baseball, but across the sports landscape that feel that, well, I'm, I'm not going to play in 2020 because we're in the middle of a pandemic or because of family issues because of the pandemic or because uh, I'm a diabetic type one or I've, I have been around people that have cancer. Whatever the reason, you have a reason to be able to say, if you're Michael Kopech, I'm opting out. That is an option for Major League Baseball players, basketball players, and others. You can be able to opt out if you choose to. As we talk about this in the baseball show, presented by Goose Island Beer Company, with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Uh, so, so other players are exercising an opt-out. Why can't Kopech? Because he's young and he should be part of this White Sox team and the White Sox are destined for the World Series this year. That's, it's more than that. What it's about is, is that Kopech decides that he wants to opt out. For his personal reasons, Kopech is not pitching in 2020. And that's all right with me. Totally all right with me. There are more than a few that are questioning why they're not on the field, including one of the faces of the sport. Like, people are wondering about Mike Trout. You ever heard that name? Mike Trout is one of the faces of Major League Baseball for 2020. And the thought about Mike Trout is, well, wait, if Mike Trout has some trepidation about uh, playing, then maybe this is a mistake. Maybe we should really put, put this uh, restart on pause. I don't know. I always think that COVID-19 sports is tempting fate anyway. But if baseball is gung-ho to try to get this done and they have a protocol in place to keep players safe and to be able to have the testing, then I'm totally fine with it. Uh, when Kopech is ready to pitch, he will pitch. And hopefully, uh, you know, for him, it'll be a full complement of games. But the idea that Cooper just kind of sits back with the, stest, you know, the, 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 you know, sitting there telling the press, yeah, I don't know really what's going on with Michael. I know he deals with some anxiety and depression. Who throws that out there casually? And yeah, you hope that he's okay. Sure. Sure. But if he feels like he's not ready to pitch because of what's going on, because of the environment, that's fine. You know, I have no problem with that. I just don't think that that should be something that's casually brought up in conversation about anxiety and depression from someone. It's a young man who's 24 that's got his whole life ahead of him. So, so what is the point of him bringing that up? Yeah. 
because what, what you're doing is, to me, you're playing the seed as well. You know, he's got some issues, so hope he's okay because we can really use his arm. Well, you know, I, I don't think that that – I think the, the quote should have been, yeah, you know, we hope the best for Michael. I'm glad that he's decided to opt out. We hope to have him back in 2021. You don't throw out, uh, you know – Hey, you know, this guy that I know, I mean, he's been off of work for a while, but I've, I know he's pretty uh, heavy on the bottle. So watch out for this guy. Uh, like, hey, you know, watch this guy. He's got some issues, you know, got, got a screw loose. So watch out for this guy. You know, it, that doesn't make sense. That I just think that that is just a, a weird one for me. Some thoughts now uh, from Chuck Garfine from our staff here at ESPN 1000, part of NBC Sports Chicago. He gave his thoughts on Kopech opting out. What people were thinking in the last 72 hours, I'm sure there's a, there might be various opinions, very, varied opinions about that. But uh, the White Sox have his back, his teammates have his back. And, you know, if I was coming off Tommy John's surgery, and I'm just speak for me, if I was coming back from Tommy John's surgery and I'm now asked to ramp it up quickly, for a sprint of a baseball season during a global pandemic, I would probably have some questions to ask about my for myself. Like, do I want to, is this the environment? Is this the best environment for me to get back on the mound to? You know, so, you know, and he's a human being. And I think we look at these guys like they're robots and they just go out there and there's no heart pumping inside their body. There's no blood coursing through their veins. They're just, you know, objects, but there's a real human being in there. There's, I don't think it's as simple as one thing. I think it's, there's, there's layers to Michael Kopech, and I think there are layers to his decision not to play. And when he comes back in 2021, you know, we can put all this behind. I mean, it's not really about us. It's about him. He can put this behind him, and I think he will be in a much better place to perform and at the level that he's expecting and the White Sox are expecting than coming into this kind of environment, which is like no environment we've seen in the history of sports. That's what we're talking about right now. Thoughts there from uh, Chuck Garfine from ESPN 1000 and NBC Sports Chicago. Along those same lines regarding players um, wondering if they should opt out or COVID-19. What about you, Darvish, of the Cubs? He said uh, this weekend it was a very tough decision, but everyone is, is doing it, talking about playing. Uh, he talked uh, through an interpreter uh, while he was wearing a mask on a Zoom call. He says, everyone has concerns, but everyone decided to play, so it makes it easier for me to make a decision and play. He says he still has concerns. Darvish, who's 33, had worries about the virus going back to spring training. In March, in fact, during a short illness, he made sure to stay away from his teammates and then get himself checked out. He says, I don't want to be in the clubhouse if I got coronavirus or something like that you know, coming into the clubhouse and spread this to everybody. He says, that's not good. Um, he says, at some point, this was a big quote from him this weekend that Jesse got. At some point, I think everyone is going to get the virus. This is what you Darvish said. Uh, and Darvish could, was a guy that was going to opt out, but he had teammates that changed his mind. The Cubs have not had a single player test positive for a coronavirus so far. There's been some testing that's delayed with the Cubs, but uh, we have not heard of a, a positive test from the Cubs just as of yet. So again, it gives pause to everybody because remember as much as we love our entertainment and love our baseball, it's still up to the individual to decide whether or not they want to be on the playing field or not. Coming up, we talk about two great stars on both sides of town for the Cubs and White Sox. 
uh, Tim Anderson and Javi Baez. I mean, who's the best between these two? We will get some reaction to that coming up. And again, your phone calls, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. If you're a Cubs fan, if you're a Sox fan, it's your time to weigh in on the baseball show. Tonight's baseball show with me, Jonathan Hood, is brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park. Stop in and grab a couple of Goose Island White Sox Golden Ales tonight. Cork and Carry at the Park is proud. It's a proud official White Sox bar and is a great place to watch a White Sox game. The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. An inside look at the Cubs, the White Sox. And all of Major League Baseball. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. On Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. Thanks for following the baseball show on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show. Don't forget, if you don't catch us live right after Waddle and Sylvia at 6 o'clock, we've got plenty of baseball content for you right there on the ESPN Chicago app. Go to the ESPN Chicago app, click the baseball show, and you can hear our previous programs. This is episode number 6 of the baseball show as we get closer and closer to the start of the Major League Baseball season. Cubs, Sox, and everything else, MLB. We're talking about it right here with me, Jonathan Hood, right here on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000. So we've got so many terrific stars on both sides of town with the Cubs and the White Sox. And I went to Buster Olney from ESPN.com. He wrote a piece entitled Buster Olney's Top 10 Shortstops, a Tough Call and Loaded Position. And it is a loaded position. So I go through this because you know what I'm thinking, right? You know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, okay, so we have two talented shortstops in this city, this great city of Chicago. And I'm seeing where is Bias and where is Anderson on the list. So I go through the list, and they are ranking the top ten shortstops so far, and that's a tough group to align. Even you can tell that Buster only had a hard time trying to put this together. But uh, Francisco Lindor of the Indians is number one. You take a look at the numbers, and he's scored 101 runs in 143 games. He clubbed 74 extra base hits, stole 22 bases, and won a gold glove. An elite hitter, a switch hitter, athleticism, extreme work ethic, all of that is Francisco Lindor. Uh, and the thing is, is that he's with an Indians team that is good but not great. Makes you wonder what the future for Lindor and the Indians are together. Marcus Simeon is second on this list from the Oakland Athletics, and I can go along with that. Um, uh, his rate of hit-hard balls, according to fan graphs, in 2019 was up to 41%. He started off in 2014, it was at 24%. It got better as he went along. In 2014, it was 24% as far as hard-hit balls. It goes from 24 to 29 to 28.5 to 30 to 32 to 41, a huge jump for Simeon uh, for the Oakland Athletics. Number three on this list, I was looking for Baez and Anderson, but I got Trevor Story of the Rockies. So you, here's Story's power. 35 home runs last year, 123 uh, in his first 544 games of his career. Uh, and you think about his swing and miss rate dropping from 12.5 and 14.1 to down to 11% uh, the last couple of seasons. So he's gotten so much better. Another huge number for Trevor Story is is that Story is also a high-impact base runner, ranking 10th in the big leagues in the Fangraphs base running metric. Uh, Story scored 111 runs in 145 games. <sighs> That's a ton. <laughs> but again... You see some of these individual accomplishments, and it's like, okay, so 
what about the rest of the team and how does that get better? It's some of these numbers that I look at every day with baseball are eye popping, but then you wonder how does the team get better? So I look at Javi Baez. Baez already has a ring. He's got jewelry. He's a uh, World Series champion. Baez is number four on this list. So there are signs that Baez, who's 27 years of age, making adjustments at the plate. Last year, he became adept at taking fastballs over the outer half of the plate. The numbers stand for themselves. Let's see. His rate of going to right field climbed from 19% to in 2016 to 27%. So in the championship year in 2016, it was just a shade under 20%. Now it's up to 28% last year. Nobody is better in that way, the way he uses glove. Um, he, Mike Trout, Nolan Ariando, as well as uh, Fernando Tatis are in the conversation for the most watchable position player in baseball. There's no doubt. I've talked a lot about Baez and being a big fan of what he can bring, the flourish, the, the, the flair that he brings to the game defensively, what he is able to do as he, get, he gets better offensively. He is an attraction. Not only a ball player, but he's an attraction. He's a, one of the reasons why you want to go to the ballpark. Uh, Xander Bogarts for the Red Sox is fifth. Correa from the Astros is sixth. Polanco from the Twins is seventh. Polanco, by the way, Polanco had an excellent 2019. Uh, he had 295 with 22 homers and 107 RBIs. DeJong from the St. Louis Cardinals is eighth in this list. Corey Seager is ninth. And you're looking for Tim Anderson? He's tenth on this list. So Anderson accomplished a lot last season. We know he was the American League hitting king, uh, winning his first uh, batting title. But keep in mind that he missed about a quarter of the season with a serious ankle injury. The White Sox lineup will be improved around him with the addition of Grandal and others in a good lineup. So we know the incremental success because we've documented it here on the baseball show. Anderson is 10th, and you love to be in that conversation, right? Because on this list, uh, Gleyber Torres of the Yankees is on this list. Uh, Trey Turner's not on this list. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. not on this list. It's like uh, he's not on this list. I'm looking here. I don't see Simmons from the Angels on this list or Swanson from the Braves. So Anderson and Baez right there in the top 10 where Baez is four and Anderson is at number 10, according to Buster Olney from ESPN.com. All right here on the baseball show, presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I got a chance to talk to uh, Chris Kampka from NBC Sports Chicago. He is great with the numbers when it comes to our baseball teams in town. I talked to him earlier about the dichotomy with Anderson and Baez, two talented shortstops here in Chicago. I think catalyst is the perfect word here for both players. Um, you know, Baez is a guy who he came into the league as just a dynamo, and then all of a sudden he developed into that guy who's like, oh, man, he's a super glove. But then he had the breakout season in 2018 and followed up with a pretty good 19. Now, Anderson had a breakout 2019. Now, he's the guy who's, you know, you, you see the potential with the glove. He hasn't been able to put it together yet. We'll see there. Um, but as far as upside goes, uh, what I really liked for Tim Anderson last year is the fact that he really stepped it up against every kind of pitch. He went from a 253 batting average against fastballs to 350 in 2019. Breaking stuff, he went from 203 in 2018 to 310 in 2019. Off speed, he went from 283 to 352. And he's, he's not doing as pull heavy as he used to be. He's going up the middle a lot. And he's also going opposite field a little bit more. He's taking it wherever you want it. And to me, that looks like a very promising trend going forward. Um, now, as far as Javier Baez is concerned, 
He is so explosive. He's going to have more power than Anderson. Um, he hasn't had a batting title yet. And I don't know if that will ever come with Baez. Hmm. He's very streaky. But that power is so dangerous that it's going to affect the way that pitchers attack him. And the most superhuman thing about Javier Baez is what he's been able to do after falling behind 0-2 in the count. In 2019, he hit 275 and slugged 600 after falling behind 0-2 in the count, which is unbelievable, given that the major league average was 165 batting average and a 267 slugging when falling behind 0-2. Just really solid numbers there from uh, Chris Kampka from uh, NBC Sports Chicago. <laughs> The Baez number is eye-popping because of the production that you can get from him after no two-pitch. That is a pitcher's pitch, as you guys know. And for Baez to be able to uh, put some numbers up on an 0-2 pitch when he's in a hole, that's, that just shows incremental growth in Baez as a player. And once again, when you look at Tim Anderson as terrific a player that he was for the White Sox last year, um, you just look for more. American League hit king is great, but you look for more for him to be able to grow in his game as well. Um, one of the big storylines for the Cubs, and I've been watching a couple of things. I've been watching the Cubs and the White Sox, just uh, some of the clips uh, from the uh, summer camp practices that we've been seeing at Guaranteed Rate and over at uh, over at Wrigley Field. And uh, it's just kind of interesting when you're seeing you know, nobody in the stands, there are people from the press that are sitting there and they're filming some of this. And it's just kind of weird that you're hearing a lot of the sounds of the game, even though there's nobody there. So uh, Javi Baez was asked about the strangest part uh, of this experience of being able to play at Wrigley field practice there, but uh, there are no fans. Just not being close to anybody. You know, obviously I'm, I'm really close with, we had teammates, but we obviously got to keep the distance, and, and it's really weird, man. It's really weird not, not shaking hands, not, not having people around you when, you when you do the routine. It was kind of funny to me, but, you know, the sound was, was kind of weird to, to be playing with it. Um, but, you know, we, we obviously um, used to the sound of, of the fans and, and, and the crowd, so... Um, as long as it's similar, we, we okay with it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I know it's gotta be weird for him, but it's weird for everybody when you're seeing home runs hit and you're able to see action on the field, but it sounds like baseball, but it's really not baseball. So it's gotta be kind of weird for the players. It's weird for us as fans. Just can't wait to see when the season starts, what that looks like as well. Uh, one other thing regarding the uh, the Cubs, the delay in testing has come to Chicago. We have seen this in other parts around Major League Baseball where teams had to shut down their practice because they have not been able to receive the um, their test on time when it comes to COVID-19. Some thoughts from Theo Epstein for the Cubs. Theo is on the delayed testing holding out Ross, the manager for the Cubs, and others. There's a bit of a trade-off sometimes between timing and accuracy, and, and we would prefer accuracy, and, and that's what today's trade-off was about. It was just waiting for um, just a couple results that, that uh, weren't clear yet to make sure they were retested and we can get total clarity. So um, all in all, I think we're getting, we're getting towards a really good place. So thoughts from Theo Epstein of the Cubs. All right, coming up, we open up the Major League Baseball Notebook. Uh, we already have our poll question up uh, at ESPN 
MLB show. Again, it's at ESPN MLB show. We have our poll question up uh, about the Cubs and Sox lineups that we're going to see for 2020. We'll talk about that poll question and kind of delve into where the Cubs and Sox are amongst some of the more powerful teams in Major League Baseball. It's part of our notebook and it's part of the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN. It's the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. This portion of our broadcast is brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park. Stop in and grab a couple of Goose Island White Sox Golden Ales tonight. Cork and Carry at the Park is a proud official White Sox bar and is a great place to watch a White Sox game. Cubs, Sox, and so much more. This is the baseball show with Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. On ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. Follow the baseball show on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show. Again, it's ESPN MLB Show. So glad that you are with us here on this Monday as we talk to you about the Cubs and the White Sox. Um, you know, Eric, I, I better say this before we move on to the uh, the notebook. I know I have this feeling that those are listening right now at 637 on a Monday are not sure whether or not we will have baseball on time or we're going to have baseball at all. I could tell. After doing this for a while, not just this show, but just doing shows, that there are some that are not sure whether or not we're going to see baseball. And what we're doing here on this show is that we're going to move forward and talk about uh, the good about this sport. And there's a lot of things to look forward to on both sides of town, especially in this sprint of 60 games. So if you're listening and you're like, well, is it is it safe to talk baseball? Are you sure there's going to be baseball? Well, we're not sure about uh, the next minute of this show. But one thing for sure is that as we move forward every day after Wildland Civil, we'll be talking Cup Sox, everything else Major League Baseball, because uh, once we do get into the sprint, I hope that you guys are along for the ride, because who knows who's going to win this thing? Who knows who's going to win 30-plus games to get themselves in a position to be in the playoffs? It is weird. We're in a weird time right now, but I will tell you that as someone that – Who's baseball? Where baseball is my first love. I'm looking forward to seeing what the season is going to bring once it starts. And again, we don't know what tomorrow brings as far as what's going on with COVID-19. But I will not doom and gloom it uh, for you throughout these shows. What I will do is talk about what we can look forward to for baseball. So if you are on the fence of whether or not you're going to buy into the baseball season or if we're going to have a baseball season, I just think it needs to be said that for me. I'm excited about it because if they're going to start and and players are going to be safe and find a way to be safe and we can watch this, it won't be like it was last year. It won't be like we always are used to with baseball. But I'm looking forward to it personally. Uh, if the season starts on time, which I think it will, um, even though it's odd with the 60 games, not even 81, not even 162, but it's baseball. And it's the game of the summer, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, we have a chance – this season to see something that that's like we're going to experience a season that we've never experienced for. I think this 60 game sprint is going to be exciting. It's going to be rare. It's going to be unique. And I'm just ready to sit back and enjoy how extraordinary the season's going to be. You could tell Eric that there's some people because you know, we're, we're, I could tell that there's some people that are listening. just not sure. Like, are we going to get like, you don't want to be teased or you don't want to feel like I'm going to be all in and then be let down. Well, I mean, we don't know 
uh, what's going to happen tomorrow. But I know that today I'm looking forward to baseball and I'm marking the calendars for when baseball starts uh, for the Cubs and Sox. We will see. Uh, but I'm, I'm definitely into it and looking at these numbers and looking forward to how some of these numbers equate to what we're going to see in the next 60 games um, when we have the baseball season start. All right, let me crack it open. It's time for the Major League Baseball Notebook. Jay Hood's MLB Notebook. So I go to MLB.com and I see the top 10 projected lineups for 2020. The top 10 projected lineups for 2020. And so here is the wrinkle with this, right? For this lineup list, one stat is weighted runs created plus. So WRC. So that's going to be a theme for this, right? The WRC when it comes to weighted runs created plus. This quantifies run production with important external factors. Baseballs, ballparks, offensive environment. It's all taken into account. So when they go through the analytics of the best lineups for 2020, the number one lineup they have here are the Los Angeles Dodgers with Betts and Muncie and Justin Turner and Bellinger and Seager. Um, so the focus is understandably on the MVPs and the leadoff and cleanoff spots, um, but don't lose sight of the overall complexion here. Muncie had 70 home runs and a 927 OPS over the last two seasons. Turner, he posted a WRC plus uh, from anywhere between 123 and 158, which is really, really good. So they have the Dodgers as the number one best lineup from top to bottom uh, in the big leagues. Number two are the uh, Twins. So the, the Twins with Polanco in the lineup and Nelson Cruz. Uh, speaking of those guys, uh, they got Donaldson as well, Josh Donaldson, the third baseman. So th- Josh Donaldson's 34, and Nelson Cruz is the DH, and he's 40. So the Twins are banking on age not catching up to them. Uh, they were considered in the conversation as a, a solid team this upcoming season, according to MLB, but they do have the Twins as the number two team uh, on this list. Guess who's number three? Ugh, it's gross. <laughs> These guys. <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason why you hear some banging there. It's because it's the Astros. Uh, the Astros, which they've got, of course, you know, it is gross, Eric, but you know what? You cannot discount how good Correa is and El Tuve and George Springer and Guriel over at first base. The Astros led the majors in WRC plus last year, and they obviously retain one of the deepest and most balanced lineups uh, with both uh, patience and power. However you want to see it, <laughs> the Astros, whether they cheated or not on paper, they are very talented. The Yankees are fourth in this list. DJ LeMayu's on this list, of course, 136 with the WRC plus Ursula um, with uh, Giancarlo Stanton and uh, uh, Torres at shortstop. I mean, they, they've got a ton of quality players on there, but the question is about some of the injuries, how, how um, healthy will the Yankees be as the season gets underway? As I'm looking for the Cubs and Sox and I see the A's and the A's are on this list and that's good. And, the Mets are sixth in this list. The, you know, you know Pete Alonso is a guy to look out for for the Mets. Uh, coming off a rookie season for the ages. Um, boy, 53 home runs. McNeil coming off all-star output with a slash line of 318, 384, and 531. So they're good. But then I look for the Cubs and Sox, and I found the Sox. The Sox are number seven on this list. Uh, a projected lineup of Tim Anderson, Mancata, and Abreu. Jimenez, Grandal, Encarnacion, 
Mazzara, Luri Garcia, and Luis Robert uh, at the number nine spot playing center field. The list does not include Anderson, which who should be on this list, by the way, because, as good as he is. Uh, slash line 335, 357, 508, and a WRC plus of 130. Breakthrough year in 2019. Anderson's number one on this list as the leadoff hitter for the Sox. They're seventh. And guess who's eighth? Right behind them, the Cubs. Cubs on this list as well with Chris Bryant and Rizzo. We gotta, we'll talk about that as we get closer to the season, that one-two punch of Bryant and Rizzo, one-two in the, uh, the lineup with Baez. Schwarber, the cleanup hitter. Contreras hitting fifth. Hayward, Ian Happen left. Uh, Albert Elmore Jr. in center. And Kipnis, the second baseman, hitting ninth. Um, so that, they're number eight. So seven and eight uh, in this uh, top ten lineups projected. Are the Cubs and the White Sox together? Red Sox, by the way, are ninth, and the Angels are number ten on this list. So hey, go and check that out in, on the MLB.com. Really good piece about weighted runs created plus quantifying the production for the best lineups in Major League Baseball. Uh, this is our notebook here on the Baseball Show, right here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Some thoughts from Theo Epstein of the Cubs as he reflects on what everyone's going to go through, a 60-game season. Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak for, for everybody else, but I, I, there is kind of a consensus brewing in our camp that, you know, when when we were contemplating this type of arrangement and when we were getting ready to report and making all the arrangements, I think if you ask the typical um, member of the Cubs organization, whether it was player or front office, there would have been some skepticism about is this is this legitimate is is uh you know is, is the World Series champion going to be um as as special will will championship be as meaningful this year as it's been in the past and then now that we're here and and we're seeing um, just how much hard work and, and teamwork um, and discipline uh, and care goes into to pulling this off and just having a chance to, to compete, let alone to, to prosper and thrive and ultimately win. I think we all feel like uh, maybe the trophy should be even bigger this year because, um, you know, the team that can withstand all this, um, you know, first of all, it won't just be 26 guys or 30 guys. It'll be, you know, the whole community, the whole organization, and really the whole community around them and, and the hard work of everyone across the industry. Um, allowing the game to be go, to, to go on, but it's, it's going to take a lot extra uh, to compete and, and to and to prosper at a high level this year. So yeah, I think it's it's very legitimate despite some of the differences. So Theo Epstein talking about the uh, sixty game season on the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company with Jonathan Hood on ESPN one thousand and the ESPN Chicago app. By the way, the poll question that we have up at ESPN MLB show follow us because you get able not only the poll questions on the show. But also, you'll be able to see some video from across Major League Baseball of uh, videos in some of the summer camps. Uh, when we see one, we put that on Twitter for you at ESPN MLB Show to just get you ready for the Major League Baseball season. Uh, the question we have is which lineup will be more productive this season? We just went through some of the more productive lineups according to MLB.com. Will it be the Cubs or the White Sox? So far, 55% of you say the Cubs will have more productive lineup this season in these 60 games. So you can vote on our poll question at ESPN MLB show. So what if Brian Erlacher owned your favorite baseball team? 
So that is a possibility, right? The uh, Hall of Fame linebacker for the Bears, Brian Erlacher, along with Travis Kelsey, uh, DeMarco Murray, are part of a group of investors who have joined the power couple Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez in a bid to buy the Mets. The group has already submitted an initial bid of $1.7 billion. Hedge fund billionaire Steve Cohen has made a top bid so far at $2 million. Uh, Jeff Wilpon would uh, prefer to sell to the Rodriguez-Lopez group if it offers its, its closest bid at the end of the auction, according to the New York Post. So <laughs> I love that Rodriguez, who last starred with the Yankees, and his fiance Jennifer Lopez uh, have put in $300 million. Other investors include Joe Thomas, a, a future Hall of Fame offensive lineman with the Browns, uh, Bradley Beal and Mason Plumley. <laughs> what a unique group of people! Right what there. <laughs> I don't know. Like that poker game is interesting, right there. Wait a minute. <laughs> Which one of these things are not like the other? <laughs> Jennifer Lopez, A. Rod, Mason Plumley, uh, Bradley Beal, uh, and Joe Thomas. That that's interesting. But but again, the current. Um, uh, group with uh, Jeff Wilpon and the Wilpon family would prefer to sell to a baseball guy like Alex Rodriguez. I get it, but the the Rodriguez Lopez combo—they're still together and they might own a baseball team. That would be interesting. You talk about failing up. <laughs> how like how about that? Think about where he was in the public eye ten years ago. Yeah, you think about you just think about failing up. I mean, this Incredible. this is the guy that uh, went into Mike Francesa's studio and said, "I you know I never took steroids and lied to Peter Gammons and uh, somehow was able to work not only for this uh, network but also Fox at the same time." I just feel like he's great. Uh, he, he fits in well with baseball owners because I just he's a snake oil salesman. He fits in well. He's, he's smooth. He, he, he's <laughs> yes. smooth. I mean, he's smooth. I mean, he's got he's got Jennifer Lopez. He's got money, uh, and they're going to try to combine the money to be uh, owners of the Mets. That is interesting. Uh, Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez. They couldn't make a deal for the White Sox, huh? That or the, <laughs> that would be interesting if they were owner the, the Cubs or the White Sox. And that is our Major League Baseball notebook here on a Monday, right here on ESPN 1000. Coming up, we will give you five topics in five. Tonight's baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company is brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park. Stop in and grab a couple of Goose Island White Sox Golden Ales tonight. Cork and Carry at the Park is a proud official White Sox bar and is a great place to watch a White Sox game. This is the show about the show. You've been in the show, man? The baseball show with Jonathan Hood. Yeah, I was in the show. On Chicago's Home for Sports. Greatest days of my life. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Got Under the Hood coming your way at 7 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. Plenty to talk about there, including the summer of football. Uh, at 8 o'clock, all part of the mix right here on ESPN 1000. We only got five more minutes left of the baseball show, so it's now time for five, four, five. All right, today's theme. Well, we're going to be going around the diamond, first, second, shortstop, third base, and one pitcher. We turn we are... now to Eric Ostrowski with more. Eric? Yeah, hi, I'm Eric. What's up? 
<laughs> I didn't let the music breathe. Just went for it. All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to go around the diamond. And we're okay. each going to give our favorite defensive infield. Not okay. necessarily the best one, but our personal favorite. Each okay, question awesome. is our each position we'll talk about for one minute long. Let me pull my okay. stuff up. Well, I just I want to make sure that people are hearing you, man, because you people start adding it to you. It's like, there's no way that I would take, you know... Why can't you take Nico Horner? Why didn't you take him over Adam Engel? And people get that all confused, right? Well, we're talking about defensive, uh, defensive positions, right, for the Cubs and the White Sox. Right. We'll we'll do we'll do Stickman later. We're doing Gloveman right now. Gloveman, yes, yes. What to school with him? <laughs> all right. So I am going to start the clock right n- about now. All right. Okay. First first position, Jonathan, your first baseman. Well, I have a choice between Rizzo and Abreu, and I'm going to take the three-time gold glover, uh, Anthony Rizzo. And it's not that Abreu eventually is going to be a DH. I just think that Rizzo uh, is just solid over there over at first base. He's established himself. So if I had to choose defensively, it would be Rizzo. All right. I think we may be doing this different. I went with Derek Lee. So I was going back in, like, my favorite in my lifetime, not current. Yes. Okay, good. All right, so Derek Lee, uh, also a great hitter, big, big athlete, four-time gold glove winner. I just loved him over there. He was also a really good athlete. He had a lot of plays that impressed me at a first baseman, which is not necessarily warranted as a defensive position, is when you see them do relay throws. A lot of them aren't very good in athletic. Rizzo, as you brought up, is one that's terrific at it. But watching Derek Lee get out mid in the outfield and then throw a guy out at the plate, I always enjoyed watching him. Lee's good, but you have a choice of like... All right, second oh, base, Jonathan. What yeah. is your second baseman? Well, it would have to be all-time, either side of time. It has to be Sandberg. As much as I like Tony Bernazard or I like other uh, second basemen over the years, I just think that Sandberg it just casts a shadow over all second basemen. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason and very strong defensively for sure. Sandberg was very good at turning the double play with Dunstan back in the day in the, uh, in the 80s. And so I'm going with Sandberg, all-time second baseman. I also have to go with the nine-time Gold Glove winner. He's got his, one the best uh, defensive war for any Cub player ever with 13 and a half. Um, it was one of those where he stopped playing when I was 11. So every dad slash coach in Little League, all they did was tell us about how good Ryan Sandberg was and taught us to try to play second base like Ryan Sandberg. So I can't really choose somebody else. No, no, you can't. I mean, in that lifetime, no, you can't do that. Um, I'm you sure you're not gonna go with Nico Horner? Maybe, maybe you can throw. <laughs> not Nico, no. All right, let's go to shortstop. This now, shortstop. Um, boy, it's hard to go against Ernie Banks. Ernie was not in my in not in my lifetime, and neither was like Louis Aparicio, which was also great as well. What is who is it for you for the Cubs? Because I think I'm going to lean Cubs on that one too. I am leaning. I'm going Cubs as well. So I, I again was trying to think and think about players in my time and lifetime. So I couldn't choose an Ernie Banks. I've never seen him play. So really, I have to go with the man that's there right now. The way the flair and and the, the way Javi Baez plays at shortstop, it is one of the most entertaining things in baseball. Period. But what about what about Ernie though? Like uh, Ernie- I don't have a reference point with him. That's the problem. <sighs> but. Ernie, Ernie is great. I'm trying to think. Kessinger was before my time. Baez is, is what's happening right now. Dunstan was very solid. Starling Castro was good. Yeah, but I, I think it, you know, 
outside of Ernie, which was out of not, it was not when we, you and I were born. I mean, bias has got to be right there in the conversation. I agree. All right, perfect. So let's uh, hop over to third base now. Hot corner. Third base. Well, I'm going to go with Robin Ventura in my lifetime because I did not see Santo play, and I was too young to see Madlock play. So I'm going with I'm going to Robin. That's good. He was on my short list, and same with you. I didn't see Santo. I'm going with a White Sox player. I'm going with Joe Creedy. I thought Joe oh, Creedy. For heaven's I thought Joe Creedy ignored the bat. I, he was a terrific third baseman. He was great at coming up on the bunt. Like I love Joe Creedy playing the hot corner. I thought he was a terrific like defensive player. Joe, Joe Creedy. What about the Cubs? I, I just third baseman wise again. I don't have a reference point with Santo. Like Creedy in my head, so it's it's him, Chris Bryant. Like I'm trying to think of the third baseman, and Same Creedy's got so an eight point three defensive WAR, which is is still really high. So I think he's one of the better. Connor Gillespie. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> no. Gordon Beckham. Todd Frazier. <laughs> All right, last one. Pitcher. Defensive pitcher. Sutcliffe was really good with the Cubs in my day. He was a – I, I know – without even looking at the numbers, I want to say you might have had a couple of gold gloves. I thought he was very – well, you know what? No, scratch that. Maddox. Yep. So I. So it's got to so – that's my lifetime. Sutcliffe was good, but Maddox probably was the best defensive pitcher that I can remember for the for Chicago baseball. I can't, it's hard to argue with Greg Maddox because he really, again, was one of those perennial gold glovers at the position. Mark Burley was a great defensive yes, pitcher. Yeah. But both those guys did something that my pick didn't have the opportunity to do, and that was use both hands. So Jim Abbott is my pitcher because somehow one-handed, he'd pitch, put the glove on his pitching hand, and he'd be able to stop comebackers. So Jim Abbott... <laughs> Is my pitcher. Oh, Bartolo, uh, no, Bar, Bar, no Bartolo Colon? Oh, athletic no. wise. We didn't go athletic. We just went <laughs> defensive. <laughs> what, about, what about him? No? Burley boy. Burley and Maddox, that's going to be a future topic. Yeah, that's a they tough were both one. great defensively. That's a, that's a tough one. I went Maddox, but you know, I, I'm trying to think of a second or third White Sox. I'm going to have a hard time with that. I got to think about that for a little bit. But Maddox, though, because of the gold gloves that he stacked, though, it's hard to beat that. But Burley on the Sox, on the south side, yeah, it was very good. What about that between-the-legs play from 2010? Oh, it was terrific. I almost went with Tadahito Aguchi at second base just for that weird flip he did that (laughs) one season. Just for that, that one singular play. (laughs) See, this is what the baseball show is, just memories of random stuff for Cubs and Sox baseball. We'll have another show for you tomorrow, Tuesday at 6, right after Wild and Sylvie. Under the Hood in two minutes right here on ESPN 1000. This is the Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app.